today we launch Summer Camp. Summer Camp 2023, uh, Glenrock, um, right on the beach there. That's going to be an amazing time. Um, please register as soon as you can so that we can also do our best to make sure that uh, we get organised. Parents, make sure you get your kids organised to register um, again. So I could imagine on this particular site um, we're going to have some uh, challenges if if I think what's going to happen, happen in terms of the size. So I just don't want you to miss out. Last week before summer camp and someone says, I'm trying to get my teenager there. Um, but I, well, I did, forgot to register in December or November. Um, please get organised. Here we are, the middle of October. Can you believe it? Santa's coming. Uh, uh, please get your Bibles out. We're going to get into the Word this morning. Um, please turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for this beautiful weather. We thank You for this wonderful community of people. Lord, we pray that today as we gather around Your Word, Lord, that You'll speak to us. You'll encourage us that you'll correct us, you'll instruct us in the ways that you have for us. I pray all of this in your strong and powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Well, we're continuing on this particular series called uh, Life on Purpose or Purpose-Filled Life. Um, Such a powerful thought to wake up every day, every week, every month, maybe as you start each year, to think I'm living my life on purpose. It's a tragedy and I've been there and I've felt it. When you start to get disillusioned or enter into the fog of life and go, what is this all about? What am I supposed to do? Um, going through the motions or what, what has God got planned for me that's different from everybody else, that's unique to me, that's my mark, my imprint on planet Earth? Hopefully, that's a question that all of you are in the way of being resolved. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 says this. Hopefully, we've got these scriptures on the screen here. It says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. I mean, just in summary, simply you could answer that verse by saying uh, four words, God wanted a family. God wanted a family. That he wanted you to be part of his family. He desires for many people to be in his family. It's our job to invite other people to say, hey, you can be a part of God's family. He wants you to be a part of his family. The Bible says he planned everything in the entire universe so that we, you, me, can be born and share in his glory, in his family, that we can actually comfortably walk around planet Earth saying, I am a son and a daughter 
of God. That's a great way to live right there. I mean, verse 11, the next verse goes on, says, so, so now Jesus, the one... Uh, the, the, the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. From January, uh, from January, from Genesis. <laughs> uh, you can tell where my brain is, it's already in January. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, this book These words is the story about how God is trying to build his family. Some people are resisting. Some people are passive. Some people are active. And some people are just disillusioned with the family. But God's trying to draw them deeper and deeper into a healthy, eternal family. Do you realise that, turn to your person on your left and say, you are part of an eternal family. Tell the person on the right, I am eternally your brother or your sister. You're made to last forever. I don't know whether you've ever had a product or a thing that you've loved and it just wore out. It just broke. It just couldn't go the distance. But see, you are designed and made to go the distance. That's how God manufactured you. That's his programming and his system to say we are eternal beings. I mean, once you start to understand that, you start to then think and get out of bed in the morning very differently. If all of a sudden you revert back to, well, this world is just three score and ten, again, your purpose actually gets minimised. The idea of what imprint can I make all of a sudden seems to diminish. But if you can understand that you are an eternal being, that you can have eternal impact and that whatever you set in motion today will actually have an eternal result is a very powerful thought. So, the first thought about how do you live a life on purpose, and we've already covered many of this over the last few weeks, is simply that the first step is to get to know and to love God. Right? And many of you here have already made that decision. Wonderful. Thank you. That's amazing. And it's because of that decision you are already on the journey of purpose. But this journey doesn't stop there. It doesn't pause there. Well, And we say, well done for becoming into God's family. But today I want to take that a little step further and saying, how can now we go a little bit deeper in God's purpose for your life? So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, again on the screen. It says here, um, respect everybody and love the family of believers, fear God and respect the king. 
I mean, basically the writer here is saying, love your spiritual family. That's what God wants us to do. You are born into family, as we now know. We have spiritual, eternal brothers and sisters. Now the writer here in Peter is encouraging us to actually love that family. You might go, well, why? Why should I love? I mean, there's instructions, there's a command, sure. But see, one of the things, if you think about it from a pragmatic way, you are going to be with your spiritual brothers and sisters forever. Good, bad and ugly. So you better learn how to love them and to um, receive, also, to be honest, for some people, receive their love is also a very difficult thing. And my encouragement is, this is the practice run. Planet Earth is the test case for actually us becoming eternal brothers and sisters in God's economy, in His kingdom. Jesus on planet Earth only spoke about His kingdom. He was talking about kingdom on earth, but he was also talking about kingdom in heaven. Our lives are going to last a very long time. We're going to spend more and more time with our brothers and sisters than probably your physical, not probably I should say, that you will spend with your physical family. God, I believe, um, has put us in a spiritual family so that we can learn how to love. So, simply putting it, the theme about today's message is understanding our second purpose. We've broken it down into quarters. It is how do you live life in fellowship? It's a good question. I mean, that word fellowship, if I was to ask many people in the congregation, I'd get all sorts of different answers about, um, they, would, they would give me some sort of Greek meaning or some uh, a description about the actions, but some of those results of that conversation would go, well, a f- fellowship means ha- having conversations. Other people would say, well, fellowship is um, eating out together. I mean, some people might say, well, fellowship's actually going to church and chatting to people in the foyer or in the moment where we say, hey, go and say hello to somebody in the service. But can I say to you, fellowship is a lot more than that. When I was in youth and Darlene and I were driving around, we'd go to um, uh, fellowship suppers. Remember those things where you would have, what would they call them, where you had lots of different suppers in the house? Progressive fellowship suppers. They were trendy back then. And so sometimes we've probably pre-wired ourselves with a, um, I would suggest, a shallow or a thin um, definition of what the Bible describes actually as fellowship. Um, Fellowship really is simply loving God's family. Optional? Oh, you seem a little bit confused about that. <laughs> Loving God's family? Optional? No, of course not. 
I mean, the great two great commands, you must love God and love your neighbour. Well, even more so, why wouldn't we then show and have an easy uh, love in that sense for our spiritual family, our, our brothers and sisters who are united because of Jesus Christ? In 1 John 4 verse 21, uh, the writer here says, and he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So here we are now moved on from a good idea to actually being an idea that's a command that's described in God's word saying that we must. So if we must, if it's a good idea, how do we do it? How do we genuinely love the people in our community of faith? How do we do that? The Bible fantastically gives us very clear instructions in this area. Um, Paul says in 1 Timothy, I'm writing, he says in this particular letter, so that you will know how to live in the family of God. So the Bible's super clear and you can, we, we can spend a lot of time going down that path, but I just wanted to briefly uh, touch on this this morning and please, you're welcome to do your own studies and we have some study notes online about that. This family is really what Paul was talking about, the church. The church is the family of God. It's not a building. It's not an institution. It's not an organisation. It's not a club. It is a family. Thank you. I appreciate it. You must have studied my notes before the message. Well done. See, when you're born, you automatically become part of the human race, right? Are you confused about that? See, a lot of people say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to church, as if church is a place that you go to. Clearly, that's not correct. Church is not a place that you go to. Church is a family that you belong to. There's a big difference. It's more than a building. It's more than a service. It's a family that we all belong to. And the truth is, God's family... In this description, I want to talk about, as I said, four attributes of this family, about how if you were to actually describe um, the different um, ways that we relate to each other um, in this family, if we're brothers and sisters, I've broken it down to four. There's probably many more. The first, um, what I call the first zone, when I wrote this message, I thought about a mandarin and I was putting my thumbs in. Anyone put two thumbs in when they break their mandarins? Um, I do. I put my two thumbs in and I pull it apart into halves and then I break it into quarters. So that's, that's what I do. Um, other people do the thing. I See, my grandparents, um, when I was growing up as a kid, they had a mandarin farm. And so I, I, I peeled a lot of mandarins. Um, it was awesome. Um, but anyway, that's another whole story. First quarter of that mandarin if we want to talk about um, what is fellowship is choosing to belong making the choice to belong that's really it's really basic actually 
But that's where you say, I'm, this is my family. I, I choose to be here. I choose to connect here. Ephesians chapter 2 says, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. See, the Christian life starts with a decision, but it's when you believe, but it's activated when you belong. It's activated when you believe, but it, but it, but it really starts the journey when you choose to belong. Um, God wants you to identify, to make the choice to be part of his family. When you choose to be part of a family, it's a choice. Some people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to belong to any church. It's sad when I have those conversations. That just doesn't make any sense to me. See, the church is where you actually live out what it means to be a Christian. That's like if I was to think about some other analogies, and this may be surprising for you, but when, you say, when I say to you, well, I'm a football player, obviously you can tell. <laughs> but I don't want to be part of any team. Well, I can't really wear that label to say I'm a football player because I've got to be part of a team to be playing football. Or whether if I said to you, well, I'm a triangle player in an orchestra, but I'm not part of any orchestra. Well, a triangle player without an orchestra sounds pretty lame. Imagine a bee that says, I don't want to be part of a hive. Imagine if all the bees went on strike and said, we're, we're all independent. I don't want to be part of that community in that box anymore. I'm, I'm sick of the colour of the box. I don't like the queen. Um, she... Sorry, Siri's talking to me. I forgot to turn my phone off. Um, imagine the, the logic in the beehive, if all of a sudden they're saying, well, I'm a bee, but I don't want to be part of a community. It just doesn't work, right? Imagine a soldier being not in a platoon. Imagine a Christian without a church family. We, we would easily call them spiritual orphans. God designed, God meant us to be part of families. In Romans uh, 12, the scripture says we are part of many, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, if you want to see God at work in your life, then you have to join the body. I mean, I know in some ways I'm preaching to the choir this morning. Um, in terms of you're already here, you're already part of this family, but I'm, I'm helping you understand why you are here this morning. I mean, Jesus calls his church the body, right? Um, imagine if I went up to, and I'll, I'll pick on the guy that I know that's got thick skin so that he, he, uh, he won't be offended, Jesse. Um, <laughs> Jesse Ivory. Imagine if I went up to you and said, mate, I really love you. I just can't stand your body. <laughs> Offensive. 
It doesn't make sense. It's incongruent. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. I mean, how would he feel about that? The church is Jesus Christ's body. And he loves the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Imagine if I said to him, um, I like you, but I, I actually don't really like your wife. <laughs> oh, I knew I'd get your attention then. <laughs> I knew I'd get your attention then. Uh, just for the sake, Jesse, I, we, darling, I really love and appreciate you. You are couple are a great um, example for my preaching this morning. Only take it as an example. We love you guys. See, you can see that all of a sudden you can't say to a couple, I like you, but I don't like the other one. They are joined. They are together. See, the church is the bride of Christ. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. It's impossible. That you, if you're saying those words, even if they're in your head, you are confused, you're not biblical and you're not well grounded in the word. The second quarter of that Mandarin is, is what I call the friendship zone. Any single people here have that been nudged out into the friendship zone? You know what I'm talking about. You see, you were created in God's image. I was created in God's image. You were made for relationships. I was made for relationships. Life is not a solo act. You need friends. I need friends. In Acts chapter 2, when the early church was forming, um, in verse 44, it says that all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Notice two things. Just in that verse, just this was a very um, one verse describing a whole movement that the Holy Spirit was doing. You can't develop friendships without meeting together. I mean, COVID has proven that so much. And now all of a sudden there's a rush for getting back together because innately it's in us. Why didn't we all just then say, oh, well, from now on, we'll just do life together as Zoom. Nobody wants to do life on Zoom. No matter how much of an introvert you are, you still want to meet your friends. And to the second point of that verse is you can't develop friendships without Sharing, sharing time, sharing food, sharing stories, sharing pain, sharing joy. The more frequently you meet together, the closer you're going to get. That's called dating. <laughs> the idea of dating is eventually to move into marriage. It's not, it's not difficult. That's just the steps that we do. And of course, when um, dating is very infrequent, there's hardly any chance of marriage. When dating is frequent, you can feel the intensity rising and you're going, they're heading towards marriage. So saying that I'll go to church every Easter and every Christmas, but the rest of the time I'm going to live as a solo act, what does it say about that friendship? What does it say about that commitment to those relationships is that you don't want that to go any deeper. 
So the more frequently we meet together, the closer we're going to get. Why do, most, why do some people say that they are lonely? There's many reasons for that, but some of those reasons would be they don't make the time for the friendships. And they can't develop those friendships without sharing. See, sharing is a double-way transaction. See, some people want to come and they say, I want to be your friend and all they're doing is loading onto you all of their demands, all of their expectations, but there's no time or space to then reciprocate. See, it's a two-way street, as they say. The Bible says people learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. When we share our homes, again, this is a step in friendship. First Peter 4 verse 9, again, the writer there is in helping us to understand how do we live in this fellowship together. It says, open up your homes to each other. It doesn't say if they're, open them up only if they're really nice ones. It just says, open them up. It just says, Open them up so that you can um, make yourself available to moments where you can share and develop friendships. You know what? It's difficult because I'm helping you redefine the word fellowship to develop fellowship in a crowd. You can only fellowship actually in small groups or in some cases one-on-one. It's typically impossible to uh, fellowship in a large crowd like this. We can worship together. We can celebrate together. We can learn together. We, we can actually experience God's community in this way, but we can't necessarily fellowship. That's why as a church, we are passionate, strong about life groups. We say this is the place where fellowship really happens, true fellowship. In fact, you know, it's a place where, um, where, where you really get to know people. Did you know for the first 300 years of Christianity, there were no church buildings? There was um, all church meetings were held in people's homes. There were no buildings There was no place to actually gather in a large context like this. One of the reasons why we say get into a life group, because number one, it's a biblical principle, but it's where Christians are supposed to meet. They're supposed to meet in homes. It's a it's a attribute that if you know, and there's lots of reasons why people don't do it, but I'm here to it this morning to encourage you into that space. One of the great things that happens in a life group is that we get to share. We get to share um, joys. We get to share uh, um, uh, the events in our lives, but we also get to share our problems in some cases. You know, when you share joy, um, it's typically doubled. If you say, God's done something in my life and you share that testimony in your life group with somebody else, you just transferred, not just transferred, you doubled the joy. 
And when you share a challenge or a problem, what you've also done, it always feels like this is that you've cut the problem in half. So there's power and actually about this idea of fellowship in life groups. The Bible says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes in a life group, you die of laughter and sometimes you spend the whole night shedding tears. You don't have to fix everybody's problem. That's not what the goal at life group is about. God hasn't told us to do that inside the life group. All he instructs us in the biblical model is to actually share those challenges. This means that we often have to just lend a listening ear. In fact, a lot of times trying to fix a problem actually doesn't help. Just sitting there and going, boy, I feel your pain. I've been there. I understand that's tough. We'll actually transfer um, sympathy and you'll have empathy. And that, that experience and that moment, that's gold in that conversation. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says, Let's not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The third zone, the third quarter of this idea of fellowship is what I call a word called partnership. It really means me doing my part. I mean, God did not bring you, if you call hope, you hope you see home, to sit here and soak in the spiritual spa at hope you see. There is no spa here. So don't be confused. There's nothing hidden in the back room anywhere about a spa, a spiritual spa. But I believe if you want to really activate the biblical model of fellowship, then you've got to lean into this idea of partnership where you make a difference through your life. And then as you do that, you're also benefiting the family. Just like any family, every family has responsibilities people to have different chores, different tasks, different things to do. Can I encourage you that again, and many of you already do this, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm reminding you why. This is part of what fellowship is. See, the Bible is full of ideas about how you and I can work together. We serve one another, we love one another, we pray with one another, and love obviously is action. It's not just words. There's action revolved around love. When you find a person who's, that you love, that's close to you, you want to hold them dearly. You want to help that person to be the best that they can, that you'll bring them um, in so many different ways closer into what you believe God's called you to do. And help them in that way. Amen? Ephesians 4. I'm running through some of these Bible verses, I know, but I just, I'm conscious of time. It says here, he, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. When we cooperate, we get more done together than we could operating by ourselves. I love watching 
the rap today and seeing Darlene talking about ministering to the sisters. I see Austin there talking about a summer camp. I see Dave, Pastor Dave Balestri talking about ministering to the business people. I can't do all of that. You can't do all of that. But perfectly fit together, we can minister to many people. If you want to experience a deeper level of fellowship, look for a practical need in your life group. This week, this next fortnight, with the frequency that you meet, go there with the express desire to go, I'm going to meet somebody else's practical need. When you do that, then I would just, uh, for your sense, just to take a macro view and saying, how then does it affect your relationship? How then does it affect your fellowship? with each other. It's a powerful tool to have a posture of how do I help other people, especially those that are close to us. And the last quarter of that Mandarin is really the fellowship, what I would call kinship. I mean, kinship is an old term. We don't use it much. In fact, when I say kinship, some of you think of um, the Beverly Hillbillies TV show with a song that says, come and listen to a story of a man named Jed. Anyone actually remember that TV show? Yeah. <laughs> when I use the word kinship, that's not what I'm talking about. Kinship literally means the closest relationships to you. Your closest family. When somebody has an accident, they say, can I notify the next of kin? They don't mean finding some distant second auntie Joyce for you. They're talking about the person who is closest to you, the one you hold most dearly, the person that matters the most to you. That They're saying, well, can you bring them, contact them and bring them right here, right now. The Bible says that, that's the kind of attitude that we should all have. That kinship is loving um, people like a true family, treating and loving each other as if they are your family. See, I just love the idea that in a relationship that you are committed to my well-being, that I am committed to your well-being. That's what we call kinship in terms of this fellowship. That rather than what all of the things that I can get out of it, that actually my mindset is always thinking about what's the best thing for you. If everybody has that attitude, imagine how then the whole network works, how the whole family works. See, the word fellowship in the Greek is a word koinonia. And what it means is to be completely committed to each other as we are to Jesus Christ. That is the deepest level of fellowship. I mean, kinship, it's like saying it's an it's a attitude where I'm willing to sacrifice for other people. I mean, in John 3.16, this was the relationship that Jesus and the Father were promoting, that God so loved the world that He gave His Son. This was this idea of kinship. 
I mean, when you jump to the, towards the end of the Bible, and when you look up 1 John 3.16, the writer there says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's the deepest level of fellowship. Basically, I'm saying that there is a willingness, there's a desire to sacrifice for each other. The Bible talks about the fellowship of suffering. And frankly, here in Australia, we have a very limited understanding about this level of fellowship. Did you know all around the world, Christians each year lose their lives for just being believers? Mostly either in communist countries or Muslim countries, simply for being Christian. They are literally our brothers and sisters who are laying down their lives defending our faith in that part of the globe. And yet so many times in this materialistic, blessed country that we live in, we're often thinking about my needs, my seat, my air conditioning, the kids program that my kids go to, um, was the preacher on time, over time this morning, did they sing the song that I liked rather than coming into these uh, moments of fellowship and saying, I'm willing to have an attitude of sacrifice. Well, how do we how do we get to express this kinship fellowship? I mean, as I said, in this country, it's hard. But can I encourage you that by standing with our other believers, when they're going through a crisis, when everybody walks out, you're the person who walks in. You're there for them in their tough times. That we're bound with other believers who are committed to these people as well. And that you provide a loving, and this is the next word, commitment to those relationships. Come hell or high water. That's the type of kinship fellowship I'm talking about. Look, life is not about our accomplishments. It's actually about our relationships. We were put here on this earth to know God, to love Him, and to know His family and to love them. So, I hope you see, our goal is not to be known for our size, not for our sermons, not for our singing, not for our strategy, not for our buildings, but by our love for each other. I'd love it if people in the community said, oh, that's the place where they love each other. That's the place where they practicing true Christianity, loving God and loving each other. I believe one of the greatest privileges as a Christian that we have in this lifetime is the privilege of being part of a family, being part of the ability to shepherd a family and being able to input and sacrifice for that family.
Amen? Amen. I'm helping you understand what it means to be part of the fellowship of a church family. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you. Thank you. I love church in all of its forms. I love the church. All the different congregations that are meeting all across Port Stephens, we prayed for them this morning. We said, bless them. If they're preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we want them to succeed. As I've said in the past, drive past the church, stretch out your hand and say, bless them, Lord. Drive past a Christian school, put out your hand and say, bless them, Lord. Um, We are part of that same family. But here we are at this campus also building a community as well. I just want to uh, challenge you. Move past believing and actually decide to belong. Move past belonging and actually be be a partner. Um, Start to go on that journey about considering, could I make this and could I call these people kin? What a great challenge for all of us. Amen. I'd love it if in this moment that um, that were you just standing there, maybe you could close your eyes and just reflect for a moment. We've talked all about the family of God, but of course, I want to make sure that we give people the opportunity to join that family, make that decision. And it starts with a decision to say, yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Saviour. It means that you'd um, turn around from living life for yourself and become a follower of Jesus Christ. I know many people here, many of you have already made that decision. But of course, I don't know every single person. And so I'd love to think that if that's you this morning, you're saying, yeah, I want to become a Christian. I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Without anyone looking around, all our eyes are closed. If that's you, just raise your hand where you are just so I can acknowledge you, pray for you and know who I'm praying for this morning. I'd love that opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. Well, church, please, can I have your attention? I I don't know that I saw any hands and that's quite okay. And this is a journey for many people. Today might be the starting point of a decision sometime later. But if that's you this morning, if you want, if you've got questions about what does it mean to become a follower of Jesus, please come and see me or uh, uh, Pastor Tristan uh, or Pastor Lewis after the service. We'd love to help you or someone with a lanyard on to say, hey, can I please have a Bible? And that will know then that's a code for a conversation that you would like to have. That's what we're here about is helping people find a place in God's family. Amen.